before I get into my message, I, we like to celebrate birthdays, and this is a birthday of uh, somebody that's not here, but they're part of our uh, virtual church family, and I know there's a branch of uh, Troshu Baptist Church that uh, attends our morning services live down in, in Texas, and one of those this morning is my younger sister, Paula, and uh, she's celebrating her birthday, so I'd like to send out our love and birthday wishes to her today. I don't know about your family, especially when parents come to naming. Uh, my parents were just standard, good, solid names when they came to all of the boys. We had boy after boy. We had Mike. We had a Michael. We had Alan. His first name was James, a family name. My brother, Mark. Mark Lee, what a good southern name. You like to use both names. But then when it came to my sister, the youngest one born, then my mom let loose. <laughs> she let loose. Uh, our last name, of course, Powell, and Paula's first name is Paula. Now, that kind of goes together, Paula Powell. But my mom's real genius came in in Paula's middle name, Penelope. And so <laughs> never give your child a name that uh, can be saying perfectly, syllable by syllable, with follow the yellow brick road, Paula Penelope Powell. It just it goes so well. You can sing the whole song using her name. And I did that from time to time, if I'm honest. So birthday wishes. I'm just thankful I was not born a lady. Women, follow me with this. Not only because it's much harder than being a man, but my name would have been Wendy Wyvon Powell. Can you imagine? Not Yvonne, Wyvon. That's awesome. All right, enough fun. <laughs> oh, if you have your Bible with me, open it. Open it this morning to Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, if you'd marked down or taken notes from a couple weeks ago, you'll say, hey, Pastor Allen used a verse out of this chapter two weeks ago as he was talking at the end of the year about legacy and what we leave behind in our lives, the marks that we leave in the lives of other people. That verse, it resonated with me. And over the last couple of weeks, I wanted to continue to uh, dig into that verse and play out the consequences in my life and speak on it so we can all grow in this area. The verses I'm speaking of, we begin this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll begin reading in verse 10, verses 10 and 11. The Apostle Paul writing to this fractious bunch of believers in Corinth it seems the church from his letters that gave him more sleepless nights, more headaches and heartaches than any of the other churches that he was privileged to plant. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one of you should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, we talked last week, or two weeks ago rather, about uh, our deeds and how some of those deeds will be rewarded, will echo in heaven those deeds that are done out of love for Jesus, whether it be something great, life-changing, or something considered small, like a cup of cold water offered in Jesus' name. Well, I wanted to look closer at this because the Apostle Paul, though he's speaking directly here about those who labor at building the church of God, which is seen here as a temple of worship and praise, 
uh, Jesus the foundation of the church, and then they grow and build on top of that. For instance, Peter calls us living stones in the temple of God. But the Apostle Paul is also talking about our lives because he applies this not only to people in ministry, but to each one of us as believers. He says you all need to be mindful and careful how you build your lives on the foundation of your faith in Jesus. And that got me thinking about building and growing and developing and progressing as a Christian. What we're talking about is basic Christian growth. Some people call it discipleship, and that's a good word for it as well, but one that's fallen out of use in many people. Christian growth and development toward maturity is God's dear hope for each one of us. He wants you to grow up in Him. Well, this is a passage that speaks of that. I call today's message, No Other Foundation. No Other Foundation. Because the Apostle Paul says it begins with the foundation. Before you build, you need your foundation, and that foundation is Jesus. You can lay no other foundation for your life or for a church of God than Jesus and faith in him alone. Jesus alone. And we'll see that as we go along. As you see on the screen before you, the Bible has many metaphors, many descriptions, many illustrations of a life of growth moving toward maturity. Now, by maturity, I don't mean those of us with gray hair or these laugh lines around our eyes. I'm talking about maturity in your heart as an individual, as a serious person. You've grown up. You're not dallying and playing by the side of the road. You move forward. You're, you're growing up. You're, you're not so self-centered and focused as all children begin, but you're turned outward, and your life is large and has impact on other people. You have matured. Well, the Bible always sees this as a process moving ahead, not static and standing still. We're not the same people as we were when we prayed for Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. We've grown and we've changed. And that real growth isn't really our own doing. It's God's doing through us by his Holy Spirit, by his living word, and by other believers in the family of God building into our lives. It's a lifelong process. You can be older as a Christian. Some of us may have been Christians for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years or more. The sad fact is that's no guarantee that you're a mature Christian. You can be old as people count old in the faith, but some of us never mature in our faith. We stay at the level of understanding and practice, perhaps, as when we first came to faith. In fact, if we're honest, some of us move backwards. Some of us think back to those early days of faith when your heart was on fire for Jesus and you didn't care who knew it. You were willing to share your faith publicly and openly, but over time, you've cooled off. You keep it to yourself. You play your cards close to your vest and you don't share Jesus maybe like you once did. You haven't moved ahead. You may have slip back let's look at some pictures of maturity and growth here's one that's close to home matthew chapter 13 
We know Matthew chapter 13 has those wonderful parables. This one is the famous parable of the sower sowing seed in the different types of soil. The good soil, which is a representative of a heart that receives the word of God, look at the result of that seed. Not only did that seed take root and find life, but the last verses of Matthew chapter 13 we read, the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Do you get that? The picture is a crop producing. You plant that one kernel of wheat, but you get multiple times back. And that shows the growth and also the multiplication that takes place through Jesus living in the hearts of his people. A disciple who makes other disciples, who in turn make other followers of Jesus, it's a multiplication. It's a producing crop. But do you see how it's built on growth and maturity? The seed doesn't lie fallow and dead in the soil. Well, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, has another picture. He says it's like a human body, something we're all familiar with. He says in verse 2 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, like newborn babies, he's talking to young believers, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may what? You may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter put it so well. We start out as spiritual babies. It's not an insult. You can be the sharpest person. You can be a grown adult. And let's be honest, far fewer adults ever come to faith as young people. Most people have made their decision for or against Jesus by the time they're 18 years old. But some adults come to faith, and they can be a Ph.D., a Rhodes Scholar. They can be an accomplished uh, business person. But they're still a baby in the kingdom of God. They still need the pure spiritual milk of the word of God and to grow up in their salvation. So you can be like a producing crop, multiplication. You can be like a developing human growing up. Now all those pictures are things that that seed, that wheat kernel doesn't do it itself. That baby doesn't make itself grow, but the conditions are provided and God gives the growth in all of those situations. Just as he gives the growth to his children. But we need to allow those conditions in our lives and respond to them and open our hearts and lives to let the Spirit grow us into who we should be. And of course, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's another metaphor, but the picture is a building that's being built on the foundation of Jesus. It's a building under construction. I remember years ago seeing, uh, seeing uh, those Christian bumper stickers that had cute little messages like, like uh, be patient with me, God's not done. Or people call themselves still under construction. You know, It's true. We all should still be under construction. We're not finished yet. We need to be lifelong learners. We're followers of Jesus. We haven't arrived yet. This life should be a life of growing and what are we to be growing into? In 2 Corinthians, Paul puts it so well. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, is the goal of all of this growth and development. He says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory 
are being, see this is God's work, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's the work of sanctification as God grows us and matures us. Where? What direction? Christward. We're becoming more like Jesus. Cults teach that you can become a god like Jesus. We think of the LDS, that, that cornerstone of Mormonism, the teaching of Mormonism, is that as man is today, mortal, flesh, just people, as man is today, Jesus once was. And as Jesus is, man can become. We can all become gods. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's false teaching. This is saying we become like Jesus. We begin to bear that family resemblance. Paul, for instance, in Philippians chapter 2 says, the same attitude that is in Jesus should be in you. And he talks about Jesus who is God, equal with God in heaven, the second person of the Trinity, who humbled himself and became a human, not only a human, but a servant. Not only a servant, but he died a criminal's death on the cross in your place. <laughs> that same attitude. That's a Christ-like attitude. Think about the people who become like Jesus. Their life bears fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.5 Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Why are those called fruit? About these characteristics, your character. Well, that Greek word fruit, that's the word karpon. Karpon, we translate it fruit, but it's not just a fruit like a, an apple off of a tree. It's anything that a living thing naturally produces. Like carpon is what the wheat field produces, the wheat, the grain. That's the fruit of the field. A date tree, the carpon is a date. The carpon of a believer, a follower of Jesus, is the character of Christ. We become more like our Lord, our Jesus that we love. We become less selfish. We become more like Jesus who loves God and loves his neighbor. We turn outward. We become like Jesus in attitude, in character, and our actions should reflect that as well. We're becoming more like him day by day. This is that development, that growth, that building that all of Scripture points to, that forward progress. I want to be like Jesus beginning in my heart and my attitudes and let it affect my character and my actions that's Christian growth. That's what we're talking about today. Now, before we wrap up this morning, the verse begins. We'll begin a series. What this actually is, life builders, I call this. It's going to be a series looking at that progress, that forward growth over the next few weeks, leading us toward the Easter season. As we want to build, be careful how you build your life, Scripture says. We want to talk about that. But today, you have to start at the foundation. Because some people want to skip the foundation and through religion just live a kind of a godly life, do the best they can, be a good person. That's what we're aiming for. But you can't skip the foundation. And Jesus, Scripture says, is the only foundation. Christ alone. You can't build 
the Christian life apart from Jesus. You can't be part of the church of God, the temple of God, without Jesus as the foundation. And he's the only foundation. It's, it's anathema to the spirit of the age, which talks about tolerance and inclusiveness, though we know that tolerance only goes one direction. The Bible says Jesus is exclusive. He is the only way to God. Man-made religions don't make it. Philosophy doesn't get you there. Man's science, which is just asking questions and looking for answers, that will never answer the problem of who you are and why you are and what's wrong with my sinful heart. It won't get you to God. Only Jesus. A few familiar passages to remind us of that important truth that Jesus is foundational to who we are and what we are. John 14. I love John 14 because of the context there in the upper room as Jesus, he desired that last supper, that last Passover meal with his disciples before he suffered. And he taught so many wonderful things. John 14, chapter beginning in verse 5, it says, Thomas said to him, because Jesus talked about where he was going to prepare a place for them. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus says, I'm the way to the Father, the only way. Acts chapter 14, Peter, who was there in the upper room, he learned that lesson well. And on the day of Pentecost, as he preached, likely from the steps of the great temple, as he preached there, he says in Acts chapter 4, this is rather a little bit later, Peter does talk about the exclusivity of Jesus in uh, Acts chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John are on trial before the Sanhedrin for having healed a man born lame. And during his defense before the Sanhedrin, Peter said, salvation is found in no one else. Now as the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the Jews, they would have said salvation is found in Moses, in the law, in the prophets. And Peter says, no, they all testified to the Messiah, the Savior, the one you put to death on the cross. Verse 12 of Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the foundation. Christ alone. In 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul talks about bridging the gap between sinful mankind and the holy God in heaven. Who could be our mediator? Who could connect us to God? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. He's the mediator. He is the sin bearer. He paid the price, Jesus alone, one mediator. Jesus is the foundation. And friends, any other foundation, you can build something on it, but it won't last. And it will not get us to heaven. 
It will not take care of the sin problem. Other foundations will always fail you, will let you down. Oh, to have a house with a foundation problem as expensive, but you have to fix it. Because if your foundation goes, your house will go. That house has a bit of a foundation problem. How many of us have foundation problems? How many of us, even though we are looking and acting like followers of Jesus, if we're honest, what we rely on as our foundation might be something or someone completely different. But this will come to light because foundation problems will be found out. They will fail you. Jesus was very clear on that. One of his wonderful parables, so beautiful and so simple in its teaching, but so profound. In Luke chapter 6, he talks about the wise and foolish builders. He says in verse 46 of Luke 6, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? I'll show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house. Life builders, that's what we're talking about. Who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. You know who that is. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Complete destruction. There is a way that seems right to man, Scripture says. But in the end, it leads to death. Most people think they're living the right way. The Bible says they're on a broad road that leads to destruction. Jesus is the narrow road. Jesus is the narrow gate. Most people miss it. Other foundations will always fail you. Now those foundations, it could be a wonderful message, and maybe we'll do that sometime, talk about false foundations. But there's a good verse in the book of Jeremiah that sums up those false foundations. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 and 6, the prophet writes, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord, he will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the, de of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. And then he goes on to contrast, contrast that blessed be the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water. There's life. Our roots go deep into God. That false foundation, broadly spoken, is man. Your false foundation might be yourself. Yeah, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm at least better than a bunch of people. So I think my, my good will outweigh my bad and God has to accept me. <laughs> Scripture says the righteousness of man is filthy rags in God's sight. Or maybe you say, well, I attend the right church. Look at the sign over the door. That's not like those guys and that's not like those guys. These guys, us guys, we're the true church. Church won't save you. Now, it may sound funny coming from a pastor. Church won't save you. Religion won't save you. Especially man-made religions. They're man's attempt 
to please God, to placate God, to earn his blessing, none of which we can do. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's all of grace. It's all of God. All we can do is humbly accept it and put our faith in him. Man cannot save man. We just can't do it. Our grasping and questing signs can't do it. Our greatest philosophers can't do it. Our most righteous people can't do it. We can't measure up. Only Jesus could do it. Some of us, if we're honest, you look how people function. They have maybe a teacher or a pastor or a Bible teacher on television or the radio or someone they listen to, and that person is their foundation. Because I've seen Christian leaders who fall or stumble or commit moral uh, sin and, and people leave the faith because that teacher was their foundation. You have to be careful about that. This is what precipitated Paul writing 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is that there were immature believers who were putting Paul or Apollos or other teachers as their foundation. As it says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first four verses, Paul talks about this immature approach. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. They haven't grown. They haven't progressed. They haven't built up. They haven't produced. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, you, are you not mere men? And mere men is people apart from God. I've always mentioned, I said, you can't live the Christian life, but Christ wants to live it through you. But apart from Christ, we're just people with our own strengths, resources, and ultimate failures. Mere men. Don't put a Christian leader, no matter how wonderful, in that place. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Andy Stanley. I'm of Charles Stanley. I'm of Francis Chan. Whoever your favorite teachers are, pick them. And pick well because there are a lot of famous people out there with not so good teaching as well. You have to be wise and careful. Other foundations will always fail you. They'll always let you down. Jesus alone. Well, friends, we want to wrap up because in the next few weeks, we want to week by week look at those building blocks of the Christian life and see if they are evident in our life or there's something that God can grow us in that grace as we seek to move from infants and newborns to grown-ups, producing and working and putting a smile on God's face, moving toward maturity. We'll finish by looking at Hebrews chapter 6, the first three verses. It speaks of this very thing. The author of the book of Hebrews was writing to a a group of people, they were Hebrew Christians. They came out of Judaism and they had trusted Jesus as their Savior, but they'd undergone some severe persecution. Nobody had given their lives yet, but they'd lost jobs and possessions and place and society and status, and they were suffering, and they were considering whether it was okay to 
leave the Messiah and go back to just meat and potatoes Judaism, pre-Jesus Judaism. Well, of course, that's not possible. You just can't do it. And it talks about the superiority of Jesus over Judaism, which prepared the way for him. He's the Jewish Messiah. <clears throat> Talking to them, and even considering that in their maturity, the author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ. He's not saying abandon it. He's saying build on it, progress from it. Let us then leave the elementary teachings about Jesus and go on to maturity. He says, you guys were stuck at the start. They're still standing at the starting line. They're not pushing toward the finish line. The gun's gone off. The race is on, and they're still in the starting line. And he speaks of some of those basic things, basic teaching. Now, for some people, we haven't even mastered the basic teachings, if we're honest. He says, let's go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. We will grow. We will progress. Now, these are interesting, the things he names there. These are not just Christian teachings. These are the Jewish teachings because we grow out of Judaism. We are the, we are the, the wild branches engrafted into God's olive tree of his chosen people. These are all familiar in Judaism. That's why it says baptisms. The literal word there is washings because there were many uh, immersions and daily baptisms for some people. He says all of these, and teaching on these basic things, you need to move beyond them. The first couple speak of your relationship with God. The next couple speak of practicing your faith here and now, and the last, resurrection. of Those are things of the future. Now all of that, as we look at it, relates to Jesus. They're all based on Jesus. Friends, as we conclude, I want to remind you that you can know about Jesus. You can be attending a church regularly that preaches the Bible and teaches about Jesus. But unless you have had a personal encounter with the living Son of God, have opened your heart and faith to Him, you have not laid that foundation, that basic salvation experience. Years ago, talking to my sister a day early for her birthday, I recounted that years ago, of all places, in the hotel up at Lake Louise, I was attending the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. Dr. Graham wasn't there that year. His son Franklin was there. Many great speakers. But one of the men there, he spoke briefly, but I had the opportunity to have lunch with him during our lunch break. He came up, pulled up a chair, sat down right next to me at my table. We didn't let that opportunity pass. Didn't get a lot of eating done. My food was uneating. It was mostly talking and questions and listening. The man who sat down at our table, his name was Charlie Riggs. He's not known to many people, but you remember as a younger person watching Billy Graham crusades on television? And at the end, the invitation is given and all the people come forward. And Dr. Graham used to say, he says, the buses will wait. He says, the buses will wait. You come forward. You find a friend, they'll come down with you and we will pray. And after all of that took place, he spoke to the people there in front of the auditorium or the stadium, but he also spoke to us at home. 
He said, tonight, if you have opened your heart to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and accepted him as your Savior, he says, you get in touch with us. He always said, he said, we have some literature we would like to send to you. I like that, literature. Charlie Riggs, who I had lunch with, was the man who wrote that literature. He would write the discipleship and the follow-up material for Billy Graham and all of his crusades. And he put that salvation experience very simply. He says, it's simple. It's profound. It's not simplistic, but it's simple. As simple as ABC. A, acknowledge you're a sinner. That's what repentance is. Recognizing that you are a sinner separated from God. Acknowledge you're a sinner and turn to Christ. B is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for your sin and God raised him to eternal life. Believe in Jesus as an act of faith. A, B, and C. C is simply to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To open your mouth and your heart to share it with those around you. And if you do that in faith, you are a child of God, a new creation. The foundation is laid. And now, by God's grace, and through the power of His Word and Spirit, you have the opportunity to build a life on that. And friends, that's where we're going to go in the next few weeks. Life builders. It's going to be an exciting journey. And I invite you back, not only here, those few of us together physically, but those uh, as part of our virtual congregation as well. Tune in over the next number of weeks as we journey toward the Easter season in this series of Life Builders. Let's join our hearts together as we close this time of worship in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the Lord today. I thank you for Sunday morning. Lord, on the Lord's day, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. The only event in human history so important that we celebrate the weekly anniversary of it on the first day of the week the power of sin and death were broken and jesus rose from the dead and he lives today at the father's right hand interceding for us our one mediator lord we can lay no other foundation for the life of uh, the believer other than jesus lord today may you speak to our hearts and if there be any father this morning who heard this message, who have not yet made Jesus the foundation of their life, who have not yet put their faith in him, Lord, I pray that your spirit would draw them to you, turn them from their sin as they repent, and turn them to the free gift of salvation through faith in Christ. Father, if they do that, I pray that they would communicate with us and help us to walk with them as they grow and build on that key foundation. Lord, for those of us who have known you for many years, Lord, thank you for the maturity and growth that we have experienced. Lord, there's not one of us here that would say, Lord, we've reached our goal. We're like Jesus. We're complete. We're done. Lord, we recognize how far short we fall. And we ask forgiveness, Lord, for those areas that we haven't grown in. And we ask your grace that you would not uh, uh, abandon us, Lord, to that, but Convict us that we could continue to grow in you. 
and be lifelong followers and lifelong learners of Jesus. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for those who have led in worship and been part of the service and the technical side. And Lord, bless each one at home today. Lord, you know what they face. You know the frustrations we deal with during these lockdowns. You know all of the things that we've given up and those things that we've lost. Lord, fill that space in our heart with your presence and your love. Lord, give us your peace. Give us your courage. Give us your love to share with a hurting world. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.